So a short prayer before we go on first of our readings. Speak to us, O Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping, the longing, the sorrow, the sighing, the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days and walk with us until the day of your coming. Amen. The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 9, and it's verse 2, then we skip ahead to verse 6. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, from verse 26 through to 56. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age, in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. 
He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Forgive me sitting, um, long COVID continues to be my friend. <laughs> um, it's been quite, quite a year, hasn't it? Uh, we have had long, co- well, we've had COVID regulations diminished as fuel prices have gone up through the ceiling. Um, there's, been, there's been a huge thing that's happened for us all in that this has been the year we saw the invasion in Europe, invasion in Europe where armies marched through borders to steal land, to use people as pawns, to bludgeon their way into power. And as the news has filled with war crimes and our screens are filled with disturbing things, flags have been raised all around our towns and our cities to say we stand with those who have been oppressed. When, when someone else's soldiers walk through the streets, then hope, it vanishes, doesn't it? And hearts fill with fear and joy. It's nowhere to be found. And here we are then in December, um, and we're looking for hope. We're looking for joy. We're looking for peace. So we, we look, we turn our gaze to the Christmas story. Um, yeah, and then we, we read these, these words which kind of usher it all in. And what we read are beautiful words which say in the, in the year, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world and everyone went to their own town to register. Caesar Augustus. He's the one who got everybody into the right spot, isn't he? He's the one who put all the players in the right place. And within two syllables, we're singing little donkey, little donkey on the dusty road. (laughs) Was that Caesar's purpose? Was that what he was all about? To get Mary to Bethlehem, Jesus to the stable, set everything up for Handel to get the Messiah, you know, the the huge chorus um, uh, of hallelujahs was going. Was that what it was all about? No. Caesar was creating a database of souls. He was flexing his Roman muscle. He was trying to evaluate everyone to see how much he could squeeze from each family to be able to get rich. That's what he was about. He was about wealth. It's like Putin sizing up his conquests and forcing each Ukrainian family to, to be seen on his books to value each one and find out how, he meant, how much he can plunder. This is not a happy story. This does not begin in absolute joy. I mean, we sang about Bethlehem just there, and it sounded lovely, but it, it wasn't a comfortable um, situation at all. Israel was conquered and occupied for decades. 
They'd never thought that it would last this long. And the ache through the land was for an end to oppression. It was for rescue, for the promise bringer, the the hope bearer, the light carrier to walk into their streets, to set his feet on their dusty soil and to revive them, to give them hope. We're moving to the character who's at the center of the, well, right next to the center of the Christmas story. And we learn much more about Mary through the the narrative and through what Graham's just read us. She knew the history of her people. Mary did. We can tell as as she speaks and as she sings through all sorts of amazing stories of rescue, of God stepping in. She'd sat around campfires as a child, listening, hearing the stories of the heroes of the faith, the stories of Joshua, just before he encountered the, the Assyrian war machine, the, the horrendousness of that. A messenger came to him. A messenger came to him, and the messenger stood before him and said, Joshua, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Despite your fear, despite this massive task, despite all of this stuff, the Lord is with you. Despite? No. Because. Because of your fear. Because of the task ahead of you. Because this is going to be impossible for you, Joshua. The Lord is with you. And then she heard stories of Gideon. Gideon hiding in the wine press, hoping that no one will find him because the raiders had had come through his land and stripped dignity from his people. He was frightened, full of self-doubt, when an angel came to visit him and said, Gideon, the Lord is with you. But but I'm scared. I'm hiding. You know, I'm, I'm here. And he's saying, no. The Lord is with you because of the task ahead, because you need him, and he is with you. And Joshua and Gideon stepped into the darkness knowing that the almighty king of heaven, the great creator of of the earth, was walking by their side into the battles that they were facing. So it was an ordinary day in Bethlehem, a normal day when a visitor came to this this home. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin pledged to be married to Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Mary knew who he was. He said, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Greatly troubled. Why? She knew this phrase. She'd heard it around the campfires as a child. She knew that the Lord is with you came before battles, came before kingdom reform. It came before difficult times and deep waters. It came when people needed courage beyond what they could imagine. It came when people (laughs) had futures that were filled with triumph, yes, but loss and all sorts of challenging things. She was frightened at his words. And that's what he said. The Lord is with you. The message that this unmarried teenager received was going to have a massive impact on her family. 
there was going to be an awful lot of shame to contend with. It was going to have a huge impact on her friendship circle. Things were never going to be the same. And a massive impact on her community. The road wasn't going to be smooth, but the angel came to say, the Lord is with you. He is with you. He walks with you into shame. He walks with you into the distance that you will experience. He walks with you. That phrase is given to those who need it, who need courage far more than they're able for things that they can't even imagine ahead. And then Gabriel lays out the life of Jesus. I would love to ask Gabriel what he was actually meant to say. I, I don't know, maybe this was exactly what he was meant to say, but I, it kind of looks like he, he couldn't contain himself and just kept on going. So Gabriel says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Was that what he was asked to say? I'm just wondering, because what he does say after that is, he will be great, <laughs> and he, he will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over David, Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. It just like goes on and on and on. He will be great, Mary. And it's been spoken about from generations over centuries and centuries from Luke to Napoleon <laughs> who said <laughs> yeah I know men and I tell you Jesus Christ was no man between him and every other person in the world there's no possible term of comparison Alexander Charlemagne Caesar and I have founded empires but on what did we rest the creation of our genius he wasn't a man who struggled with self-worth. <laughs> On what did he mean? Our genius upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Jesus is the standout character in all of history. And Mary's response, Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. She say that? Why did Mary say that? Was she focused on being really, really humble? Was she focused on being really, really humble, submissive, an example to all? Was that what was in her mind? No. <laughs> Blair, Mary wasn't this blue shawled, halo wearing, soft focused glow girl. <laughs> That's not who she was. Mary stepped up. Mary knew these words from the past and she stepped up. All her attention was on God's plan, God's intervention. God had, he had seen their cries. He had heard their cries. And to her utter astonishment, the invitation to be involved in his plan is given to her. She gets to have this role. She gets to be trusted with the pain and the challenge and the joys and the loss of this. Her focus isn't on being humble. Her focus is on God. Humility is an easy byproduct of that game, isn't it? As we look at who God is and his almightiness and transcendence. Humility isn't a hard thing. She knew it was going to mean trouble. If, the th if Joshua and Gideon were anything to go by, 
This looked like being change of a change of kingdom, invitation into pain. Hmm. But there's more to life than comfort, isn't there? Is there, though? Isn't comfort like the high bar? <laughs> isn't comfort really what we're aiming for? You know, the stamp of God's approval on our lives. We got the first. We got the A star in God's final. And comfort is our reward. It's a, well done, here you go, have a nice house, great life, nice car, Th that's it. Does that fit with what we know about God or his son? Did he choose Bethlehem because it had a great climate, really good cultural vibe? <laughs> is, that why, is that why he chose it? Bethlehem wasn't perfect then, and it isn't perfect now. I, I, got a, I got an ornament sent to me from someone in Bethlehem. It hangs on our tree every year. It, it's shiny. It's pretty. It looks lovely. What is it? Anyone know? The man who sent it went out into the streets. He collected 200 of these, and he put a bow on each one. It's a tear gas canister from Bethlehem. God stepped into a messy world, an unfinished, broken place. He stepped in here to bring us hope. He stepped into this to give us joy. It's disturbing, but he came as light in darkness, as goodness in all sorts of horribleness. So, wait a minute. Um, the theme of this service is meant to be joy, right? And we've gone into all sorts of realms of darkness. How does joy fit into this story? Where, where does that come in? Isn't it God has a wonderful plan for your life? Isn't that how it's meant to go? You know? God has a wonderful plan for your life. And, and <laughs> for decades, that phrase has been used. For a long time, we've, we've, we've heard it. But actually, when we think of that phrase, uh, it kind of brings up ideas of sunshine and ice cream, Ganesha's, <laughs> deck chairs. And God becomes my butler to bring all good things to my life, to exist, to make my life wonderful. But, but Jesus didn't call us to butterflies and bubblegum. That, that's not what he said it was going to be like to follow him. He said, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, not have my ways as absolute first. Let him deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. To follow Christ is to have a full, adventurous, stretching life, but he didn't promise comfort. He never said it was going to just be a life of ease. It's not God has a wonderful plan for my life. You can scribble that one out. It is much better than that, much bigger. God has my life, your life, for his wonderful plan. Mary saw it. Her life fitted into God's plan. It was a piece that was, was planned, and it, it was in there, and, and it was on purpose. It was meant to be. It takes the pressure off, doesn't it? I don't have to be the absolute author and designer of the whole script. God's got it. <laughs> My life for his plan. That, that was it. 
And Mary tests this whole premise and looks at the author of the plan. She looks at the past. She sees in verse 51 to 54, she looks at the, the history of what God has been in the past to his people. Full of past tense verbs, he has performed mighty deeds for the Tsar. He has scattered the proud. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted the humble. He has filled the empty with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. He has. His CV has been out there for a long time. It's been scrutinized for centuries. This is who he, he was. So this is who he will be. She looks at the past to indicate the present. He was strong then. He will be strong now. He was merciful then. He will be merciful now. Now. He was loving then and just and kind then. He will be that now. Because that's his character. We can't deny who he is. That is who he is. And from that place, joy explodes in her. It just fills her up and she starts singing it out. How good is God? How amazing is he? She sings, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Oh, it, all her focus is on God, her savior, but she's claiming him for herself. He's mine. He's my savior and my spirit rejoices in him. Where does her joy come from? Her joy comes from trust. Trusting that God knows what he's doing in the squalor of it. Trusting that he knows what he's about, that he didn't make a mistake. Her joy comes in surrender, in releasing control, in meeting him in all of the questions she has before the end of the story when Christ is exalted. Right in the middle of this, it's in surrender. And then what about her present? The Christmas story that we're going to be looking at again and again through these weeks. The straw bales and soldiers and stigma and vulnerability where nothing in Mary's life is, is clear anymore. Where the future that she thought she'd have, Nazareth, family, loads of friends, that's been shifted out of her reach. That's not going to be hers. She cradles this child in the straw whose name, I think it was the name she split her heart into. It was the promise that the angel had given again and again and again. Emmanuel, God is with us, with me in the straw in the squalor for Mary, with us. In all sorts of brokenness in our life. God is with us. It's who he is. And he's here. And the future? What about her future and, and beyond it to ours? Well, Jesus, before he went back to heaven, when he spoke to his disciples and told them, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will receive you to myself so that where I am there, you will be also. And as he is
is being raised from the earth, going back into heaven. He looks down on his frightened followers. They don't know what's ahead. Their paths are blurred. Their journeys are unmapped. Their crosses are still seedlings on the hillsides of Judea. And he lays out a plan. This plan that he invites them into. Twelve disciples, all on one plane. And then the words. Then the words that he says, as clear as anything, that have rung down the centuries to us. I will be with you. And he adds this beautiful word. Always. Always I will be with you. Always, as you look into that uncertainty, as you look into that question, always I will be there. As you think about this um, difficulty that you're, you're, you're dealing with, as you're looking at oh, all, all sorts of unknowns, I will be there. As you're thinking about your family in a difficult situation at Christmas, I will be with them, always, with you. As you're wondering about career and not sure which way to go, I will be with you always. Those words that are given to people who need courage, to people who need hope, to people who will face all sorts of things, who need to know God is with me. And the invitation to us, the invitation is to trust, it's to surrender. Not to fight. I learned this, I'll just finish with this. I learned this really strongly a few years ago. My, my best friend from when we were 12, um, four years ago, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And as we sat in her hospital room, and then as I sat in her hospice for three months, almost every day, we sang and we wrestled, we prayed, and we tried to work it out. We were there in all the questions and all the difficulties and trying to, trying to see, Lord, is, is this really your plan? How, did, did, you, did you miss a beat on this one, Lord? Did, did you forget to be here? And two weeks before the end, Shona took my hand in the hospice. And she just started to pray. And she said, God... I pray that my lovely friend, she didn't remember my name anymore, <laughs> says, I pray that my lovely friend is very kind with you when this is all over. Is that what I mean, Lord? Yes, that's what I mean. I pray that my lovely friend is very kind with you when this is all over. She prayed that I would trust God, didn't she? She saved me from months of wrestling and fighting. <laughs> she let me rest and have joy because, because of the depth of acceptance of her part in the plan of God. Because of her strong belief that God knew what he was doing. And although it looked very messy, untidy, unexplainable, she chose to trust. I am the Lord's servant. Let it be to me according to your pleasure. And as we face all that we're going to be facing these next weeks, that's the invitation. Will we trust? Will we surrender? And say, we are the Lord's servant. Let it be to us according to his word, because 
the Lord, the great mighty one, the king of heaven, the one who formed you. He is with you. He is with you always. Let's pray. Our Father, we bow in worship before you. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. We don't know the way ahead. Lots of things are blurred, but Lord, you have given your promise and it stands because it comes from a character of a God who is pure, trustworthy. Lord, we ask you that you would help us as we step into these days to surrender, to trust, to worship. We thank you, Lord.